Oh man, I love Easter. I love celebrating <laughs> what God has done, and uh, it's just so, so exciting. So welcome, just so good to have everybody. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we welcome you as well. And uh, I just pray everybody is going to be impacted by the presence of God, by His Word today. And uh, we, we want you to leave this place having encountered the love of God today. And that, that can happen in so many ways, you know, just through other brothers and sisters in Christ, through worship, through the Word. And uh, today I have an illustrated sermon for you, as you can see. You're probably wondering what is under this box uh, or under this cloth and why is it so misshapen? Well, that's because it's not one thing. It's several things, and so that's, that's why it looks as weird as it does. Uh, Mr. Bill, could you help me here for just a minute? All right, there we go. Now, if you've ever been to one of our services where we've done an illustrated sermon, um, then, you know, you may have some things in your mind, but this one is pretty simple. It's not anything special spectacular. You know, we're not going to be slaughtering any sheep or anything like that today, um, if you've been here for that. No, we did not really slaughter sheep, by the way, but we came very, very close. And uh, we once turned a little kid into a cricket, too. But that's another story not not to worry about today. Uh, so but I just have a few little things here because this message is so important and so crucial that I want to bring as much clarity to it as I can. And Jesus often taught with, with examples, with parables, of course, and then using things in his surrounding, you know, mustard seed, fig trees, and, you know, mountains if it was in the back, you know, using the mountain as an example, kind of an, uh, an object lesson of sorts. And so today, that's really all this is. I've just got a few little props to help you understand some things, and plus, the, the, go, the gospel message for, for many of us is something that we've heard so many times that it has to be kind of made fresh. You know what I'm saying in some ways. So part of what, part of what we do today is just to show you uh, this in a new light and maybe bring some, some understanding to it, help you see it in a new way. Because even though you may know some of the things we're going to hear today, how many of you know there's still revelation about it that you don't have yet? Because, uh, for example, in heaven, the Bible says that the angels, they, they surround the throne of God singing, holy, 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 holy. You know, they're not faking that. They're, they're, they're enamored with God. And they continue worshiping day and night, worshiping day because they're always seeing something new. They're always amazed by his presence. So, no, we don't have the full picture. And I think until the day we die, we're going to keep growing in our understanding of the gospel and what it meant for Jesus to die for us. So you ready? Yeah. All right. Turn in your Bibles if you have them this morning to Galatians chapter 2. And I'm going to get a few little props ready for you here. Now, if you can see, I don't know if you can see all the way to the back, but uh, hopefully, hopefully you can. I've got a couple little beach chairs here. Let's see if I can back this out. And, uh, and here... I have Frank, okay? Now, this to you may look like a clove of garlic, but this is Frank, okay? And actually, Frank is a seed. He, he's meant to be a seed, but I figured a seed was going to be too small for you to see. So I got something that looked like a seed, but a little bit bigger, but it's actually a clove of garlic. See, just total transparency here. I'm not going to try to trick you, you know, make you think this is some big magic seed I found. 
just a clove of garlic. But Frank is, and I hope none of you are named Frank, by the way, because it's not going to turn out well for Frank. But anyway, <laughs> Frank is just living his life. And I got the beach chair because a lot of times that's how sin and living in the world before Christ is. You know, you're just kind of, it may be just this idea of you're living for yourself, living for pleasure. How many of you have been there? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you have been there? You know what that's like? Just living for pleasure, living for whatever I want to do. My life is, is mine. It's not God's. I own my life. I'm in charge of my life. Whatever decisions I want to make, I make because, because I own my life and I'm in charge of my life. And that's Frank. And so he's just on the beach, you know, hanging out. And this is what I want you to see through what we're going to talk about this morning. Okay, Galatians 2.20 Said, Paul made this statement. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. So, you see, you, you think we're here today to celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus, but did you know that we're also here to celebrate your crucifixion? Because this is one of the biggest revelations of the Bible, is that when you become a Christian, your life parallels what happened to Christ. It's not just Christ who is crucified. You are crucified. It's not just Christ that was buried, you were buried. It's not just Christ that was resurrected, you are resurrected. And see, Paul understood this. That's why he said it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. He understands. Praise God that Jesus was crucified. But it's more than just Christ who's crucified. You have to be crucified as well. This is what it says. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Paul who lives. But it's Christ who lives in me. In other words, the old Paul is dead. The old Paul and all of Paul's hopes, dreams, what he thought he wanted for his life, his desires, his plans, what he wanted to be. You know, how many of you, when you were growing up, your parents told you, oh, you could be anything you want to be? That's not gospel. That's lies. Now, you can go and be anything you want to be. That's your, that's your prerogative. But not if you're a Christian. Because when you're a Christian, your life is not your own. So you don't go and be whatever you want to be when you're a Christian. Matter of fact, we don't tell our kids, you can grow up to be anything you want to be. We tell them God has a plan for your life. And God has a purpose for your life. And your whole, your whole plan and purpose in life from now until you figure that out is to search it out, seek him, and ask him what his plan for your life is. Why? Because your life is not your own. See, I don't know if enough Christians have understood this. A lot of Christians have thought that coming to Christ is all about belief. Now, that is correct, but let me just help you understand that because the type of belief he's talking about is the type of belief that upends everything in your life. For example, if you believed, if you came up to me after service and you said, you know, Pastor Josh, I've been studying and I just believe that there is a giant comet that is about to hit Earth and all of Earth is going to explode this Friday. I could tell whether you really believe that or not by how you were acting and by how you acted the remaining five days that you have on earth. If you just went about like everything was normal and just kept going about your life, and I'm going to question, does he really believe that everything's about to blow up on Friday? Because he's not acting like a man who believes that. And so many times we say we, oh, well, it just takes faith, right? You just have to believe the right things. Yeah, but it's a kind of belief that upends everything in your life. It's, it's a belief that you hold so strongly that it 
literally guides and directs every choice and every action in your life. And if it doesn't, then the question is, do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? Because in a lot of ways, you're acting like you don't believe it. And Jesus even said this to many, many that tried to follow him. They said, oh, you know, we love you. He said, well, if you love me, obey my commandments. In other words, let, don't just tell me about a feeling you have. Don't just tell me about an emotion you have. Let me see the fruit of it in your life, and that will prove that that is what you really believe, and that that really is what you love. Amen? Amen. So this is what I want you to see this morning. This is kind of where we're going to begin, okay? Today, of course, we are here to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but this is what I want you to see. Every believer's life has to parallel the death, burial, and resurrection in their own life. See, I didn't get any amens on that. I'm just wondering, do we, do we understand this or not? Every believer's life has to parallel Christ's life through the death, burial, and resurrection. So let's start with death. And this is where things are going to go south for Frank, okay? Because the first part of becoming a Christian is death. This is the first part of becoming a Christian. This is why Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. He's saying, when I became a Christian, I died. Now, have any of you ever died before? None of us have, I don't think, or we wouldn't be here unless they brought you back to life. Have any of you come close to dying before? I know some of you personally that have. I know some that, and, it's, and I can't, I'm not speaking from experience, but I suppose that it's very painful and very difficult. It's a very difficult process. But we don't think about that when it comes to Christianity. We go, oh, it's just all spiritual. Listen, death is not fun. Death is not pleasant. It wasn't fun for Christ, and it's not going to be fun for those who follow him. Death means everything in you dies. Every part of your old man dies. If you wanted to be this, or you had these feelings, or you had this, it dies at the foot of the cross. When you become a Christian. But see, a lot of people weren't told that. They just thought when I became a Christian, oh, I just believe something, say a few words, and I'm good. Wrong. When you become a Christian, you are submitting your life to Christ, and there is a crucifixion that happens in your own life. Let me show you this from the Word of God. We're going to have fun eventually this morning, but we got to die first, all right? That's the first part. Resurrection's coming. I'll just go ahead and put it out because I can see the sad faces. But we have to die first. Death is not fun. Just read the story of Jesus. The death part wasn't fun. The resurrection part was great. The death part, though, was very painful, not only for Jesus, but for his followers and everybody around him. And listen, please understand, if you don't get anything other than this this morning, I want you to understand, your life has to parallel Christ's life through the death, burial, and resurrection if you're going to be a believer and a follower of Christ. You don't believe me? Just listen to his own words, Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower. See, Jesus just didn't just intend for these to be like words that we study in a Bible study and we break them down and we, we analyze them and we, we you know, discuss, well, I think it means this and you think it means that and we write books about it and we preach sermons about it. He actually expected you to live this. You know that, right? He actually expected us to walk this out. So he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, say the sinner's prayer. 
No. <laughs> Go to church a few times. No. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own life. Your own way. You see, there's a death that has to occur. You must give up your own way and take up your cross. What was he saying? He's given a revelation. He's saying, guys, guess what? I'm not the only one taking up a cross. He said, y'all are watching me, but you're watching a process that's going to happen in your life as well. I gave up. Christ gave up everything in eternity, everything in heaven to come down and be. He gave up his royalty, his status, his wealth, his position, his comfort. He gave that up. And what did he do? He came down to earth. He took up his cross and was crucified. He says, if you're going to be my follower, you have to do the same thing. Please understand, everybody in this room is not doing that. Every Christian on the planet, just because they have the label Christian does not mean they're doing that. There are a lot of Christians that want the benefits of Christianity, the benefits of the gospel, but they never wanted to die, and they never wanted to actually have to give up or sacrifice anything for God. Did you know that that's not how it works? If you want true salvation, and that's why a lot of Christians are experiencing mediocre Christianity. They're like, I don't really understand the big deal. I gave my life to Jesus, and I thought it was going to be something different than it was. Listen, if you do it half-heartedly, that's what you're going to get. But to be a follower of Christ, a death has to occur first. And, and I would say even worse than that, a crucifixion has to occur. Let me read this in a way that will sound a little different to your modern ears. Because we read this, if you, want to, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your own cross and follow me. But let me read it this way. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own life and take up your own electric chair. Because the cross was just a means of execution. It was a means of torture. So we read, oh, the cross, and we, we, we make little decorations of it. Some of you might be wearing it around your neck. Oh, it's, like a, it's almost like a jewelry. It's in paintings. Any of y'all have little pieces of jewelry that have like an electric chair hanging around your neck? Or on your wall in your house, you got like this really well-painted electric chair hanging on the wall, and it's just like reverence and awe for it. Not saying there's anything wrong with having those things about the cross. But it would be a little weird if we were doing it with an electric chair, right? That's just a little strange. The cross to them, when they heard this, when they heard, take up your own cross, this is what they heard. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to sit in the electric chair too. Because a death must happen in you as well. Rebirth is coming. Just kind of feel like I got to tell you that because, again, I'm seeing some sad looks this morning. Rebirth is coming, but death first. And what most Christians want to do is they want to skip all that death burial stuff and let's just get right to, the, right to the resurrection. New life, salvation, eternity with God, redemption, forgiveness of sins. Man, let's, let's jump straight to that. Well, you're skipping two steps. Death and burial come first, then resurrection. Jesus knew everybody wouldn't accept this message. Let me tell you something. When Jesus preached to large crowds, the majority of people the majority of people walked away not accepting it. Why? Because he, he wasn't preaching any of the fluffy stuff that we hear now. He was preaching this. He was preaching things that are hard to hear, hard to apply in your life. It's, it's not the way many times that we've made it out to be. Let's keep reading what Jesus said. He said, if you try 
to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. What's he talking about? He's talking about a Christian that wants everything Christianity has to offer, but they really don't want the death and burial part. He says, if you try to hang on and you try to get both, all right, you try to have your life and live your life and do your thing and go your way and you're not really submitted to Christ, but then you want all the benefits of the gospel and the cross and you try to hang on to your life, he said, listen, you're going to lose it anyway. That's not how you get everything that God has to offer. There's only one way that you get everything that God has to offer. It is total and complete surrender through death. And that's what Christ has to offer. Now the question is, do you trust God enough to do that? I mean, does God know what he's talking about when he says that you need to take up your own cross, you need to die? Can you trust God with your life to that degree? Can you believe that when he brings you to the resurrection part, that he can be trusted with your life? Because I have found that he can be. I love my life following Christ. I love my life surrendered to God. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But there was a death that came first. I think there are many people in the church today that, in fact, have not died. I think they've thought about it. I think they've contemplated it, which is good. Jesus said to do that, right? He said, before you come, before you decide to live for me, you need to count the cost. Wasn't that his instruction? He said, you need to count the cost. You need to, you need to look at it and weigh it and think about what you're doing. Not just a flipping, oh, this sermon moved me. I'm going to live for God. You need to think about what you're doing because the death part comes first. And he said, if you're going to live for me, it's death to everything first. Then I will rebuild you back. But death first. So, praise God, Frank decided that he wanted to give his life to the Lord. This is Frank. Frank, man, that smells amazing. I love garlic. My wife, not so much. But Frank was crucified with Christ. The reason I have the chair in there is because it's not just him. It represents the, the broken pieces of his life that result. There's always collateral damage. When you, when you die to Christ, when you die in Christ, there's always collateral damage. You lose friendships sometimes, sometimes, especially to the early Christians and, and Christians all around the world because Christians, not every Christian lives in America where it's easy to serve God. So when you choose, many, many Christians that choose to serve God, it costs them family relationships. It costs them status. It costs them job. It costs them income. It costs them everything to live for God. That's why he said it's going to be a cross. There's a death that happens. So I want you to get that visual picture in your mind. If you're coming to Christ today, if you decide to come to Christ today, please understand you're saying yes to a death first. Everything you are has to be laid at the foot of the cross. Every hope you have, every plan, all of your future, all of your desires, all of your habits, all of your sin, every bit of it comes to the cross and is nailed to this cross and crucified. There's a death that happens first. If that's not what you want, please... Please go home and think about it. Continue to pray about it. Continue to read your Bible, okay, and see what the gospel has to say. But I'm going to encourage you with what Jesus said. Don't come without counting the cost. Don't come unless a crucifixion 
in your own life is what you want. Because that's what it takes. Secondly, our lives parallel Christ in this way. Not only are we crucified with Christ, but we're buried with Christ as well. So here I have this little aquarium of dirt. This is what Colossians 2.8 says. It says, for you were buried with Christ. This is why we get baptized. We get baptized to symbolize the burial. We bring them up eventually to symbolize the resurrection. Depend on who they are, hold them under a little longer. You know, just how much burial do they really need? You know, if they come up, I just put them back down if I don't believe. You know, it's, I'm just kidding. We've never had anyone die during baptism, so don't worry about it. Colossians 2.8, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. What does burial means? Well, it means there's a funeral. You ever, you ever been to a funeral? Many of, I know all of us have. Funerals are not fun. It's not like a party. Funerals are sad. It's where we say goodbye. This is part of burial with Christ. We're saying goodbye to our old man. We're saying goodbye to our old life. We're saying goodbye even to things that were very precious to us, very important to us. We say goodbye. So the Bible teaches that we've been buried with Christ. So Frank is going in the ground. He's been buried. When you came to Christ, this is how it was supposed to happen. There's a death, then there's a burial. Why burial? Because burial is where the transformation happens. See, when, even when you put a body in the tomb, in the ground, there's a transformation that begins almost immediately. It happens so fast that we have to embalm and do things like that because there's a transformation that happens very fast when it goes in the ground. Or for the example of Frank, if you put a seed in the ground, it's, it's amazing because I love to plant stuff at my house. And it's amazing how you could have a bag of seeds on the shelf and they're not doing anything. And then you take one and put it in the ground and all of a sudden it begins to sprout, grow roots. A transformation begins to happen the moment it gets put in the ground. I, I, how many think God, he, he was giving us that as a little symbol of, and a little illustration of how things work. Actually, he, in John 12, he said this. He said, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies and is buried then it bears much fruit. See, he said, no death, no burial, no fruit. He was trying to get this point across to us. He said, if there's no, if there's no death and there's no burial, there's no fruit. There's no fruit. He said, that little seed will just sit on the shelf and it'll never produce anything until there's a death burial. Listen, if you're living a Christian life and there's no fruit in your life, If you're living a Christian life and there's no hunger for the Word of God, no hunger for worship, no presence of God, no desire for God, no compassion for the lost, in other words, there's no fruit, the question is, has there been a death? Has there been a burial? Because when you've died to Christ and you've been buried with Him, there's a fruit that's going to be produced in your life. And you'll know it. You won't have to question it. You won't have to wonder it. There is a fruit that will be produced in your life. So not only were we crucified with Christ... But we were buried with him. This is where the transformation happens. When the seed, and and Jesus is the one who used this example. When the seed is crushed and it's put in the ground and it's buried, that's when the true life begins to transform, begins to 
come. This is one of the promises of the gospel, is that when you die and you're buried, that Christ will come and supernaturally transform who you are. You have parts about you that you don't like. You have things you wish you could change. You have sin you can't get rid of. You have patterns, habits. You, you hate You hate who I am. I hate being this way. This is one of the promises of the gospel is that when you die and when you're buried, there's a transformation that happens in your life. And it's not always instant. Sometimes it's a, it's a process. Even the growth of this seed is a process. It grows little by little. It gets stronger every day, mature every day, bears more fruit every year. That's part of the process of Christianity. So it's not always instant. But here's the promise. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. So the promise is that when you're buried with Christ, the old is passing away. The old, the old you're saying goodbye to. You're, 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 it's a funeral. You're saying goodbye, old self. Goodbye, old ways. Goodbye, hopes, dreams, plans, futures, everything you want. Goodbye. I'm no longer living for you. I'm no longer living for self. See you later. I'm now living for God. I do what he tells me to do. I follow him. I'm surrendered to him and his word. That's what becoming a Christian means. So there's a death. There's a burial. And in the part we've all been waiting for, there's a resurrection. Amen. In Romans chapter 6, verse 5. It says, since we have been united with him in his death. Just so you see, I'm not making this stuff up. He says we've been united with him in his death. We will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. So it's through the death and burial that sin loses its power over you. We were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him or be resurrected in the same way that he was resurrected. So Frank went in the ground one way, but he comes up another way. Amen. And yes, that did just happen right there. That was supernatural. I prayed for weeks over that, that that was going to happen, but <laughs> just kidding. But you go in the ground one way, and you come up another way. That's why he says, if any man is in Christ, he says, old things pass away, and all things become new. I've watched this process so many times in believers' lives uh, in, in people, I've had the privilege as a pastor to watch people come that, that go through this process. And they go through all the steps. There's a dying that happens. They're, they're, they're frustrated. They're sad. They come and they go, what about this? Now my dad's mad at me. He doesn't want me going to church. He, he doesn't believe in all that stuff. He, there's a dying that happens. It's hard. And then to watch the burial. Watch the letting go and saying goodbyes. And then to watch them begin to grow into new life. 
and watch them to begin to produce fruit and see who they are in a year, two years, five years, ten years, to watch how their marriage changes, watch how their kids change. But you can't half do this process. You can't half do it. There is no half doing it. There's no half dying, half burial. There's only one way for you to get the true power that the Bible talks about. And it's through the death, burial, and resurrection of not only Christ, but of yourself. Many think that they've made this transition, but they're not because they're still holding on. And they've not surrendered to God. And so they haven't experienced what we're talking about. But I can promise you this. If you lay down your life for God, if you truly surrender everything, there is a supernatural resurrection that will happen in your life that cannot be compared with anything else. And it'll change you and it'll transform you forever. John chapter 3 verse 3, God was, <clears throat> Jesus was trying to explain this to Nicodemus who was a, a Pharisee, teacher of the law, but he didn't understand this process and Jesus was trying to explain it to him. And this is how he explained it to Nicodemus. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, another way of saying that, unless you are born twice, Unless you have two separate birth experiences, is what he's saying, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There has to be your natural birth, that's one. But he said you have to have a second birth, that's your spiritual birth, that has to happen. So he says, I tell you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Water being human birth, spirit being God, a godly birth. He said, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born two ways. Number one, born physically, but number two, reborn of the spirit Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You see, this, this is the, and I, and I love this, I love being dependent on God because this is the part of the process that I can't control. And I wish I could. Man, I wish when we baptized people like it had that power to just, I'd hold them under as long as I could. I, I wish it happened. I can't cause new life to come into a person. You know, you can't. No one can. It's a supernatural process that when a person's heart is right before God, when they have true faith and repentance before God, and they're ready to enter in this process, there's this third part that happens, this resurrection of the Spirit. And they are born again. Now, don't think, just because we're talking about death, burial, and resurrection, don't think that this is some long, drawn-out process. Like, oh, it takes months. No, it could happen in an instant. It can all happen in an instant. I mean, think about the thief on the cross. He was right beside Jesus. He looked at him. He said, I believe you're the son of God. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Meaning this can happen in an instant. Death, burial, resurrection, boom. You don't have to go home and dwell and think about it for months at a time. It can happen instantly. But, but if you're struggling to decide, then it is a process. But this person was ready. They already knew. You know why? Because that thief, <laughs> he was being crucified physically. His options were really short at the moment. He'd been brought to that point of surrender. And he was quick. He was ready. But see, even when a person comes to Christ, even though it looks like it's in an instant, many times God's been working on them for months. Bringing laborers across their path. Sowing seeds 
thoughts in their, in their path, get, sending books across their path, people. Even when it looks like it's in an instant, many times there's a process that's been going on in their heart. And what is that process? It's the process of dying and deciding, do I want to die? Do I want to surrender everything to God? So when you become a Christian, you're resurrected to new life. And the final thing that happens is that your, your debts are paid and your sins are forgiven. If you haven't entered into this process, then your debt still remains. And you're responsible for your own debt before God. Now, make no mistake about it. Every human being on the planet has a debt that they owe to God for the sin of their lives and for their rebellion before God. And the penalty, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. Every one of us have that. We don't have a time this morning to get into, you know, why that is the case. But it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. But every one of us have sins in our lives. And the Bible tells us that when we go through this process of salvation, that those sins are forgiven. All right, so let's read this. This is Colossians 2.13. He says, you were dead because of your sin. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record. Everybody say record. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So if you think about the the sins and the debt that you owe... The Bible says that there's a record, all right? So let's just, let's just name a few, okay? Let's say anger, okay? Anger. A- anybody want to call something out, maybe something you have a problem with? Or, no, I'll just keep making them up. That's all right. Okay. Greed. Lust, y'all are waiting on that one, I know. I always got to bring that one up. Selfishness, self-centeredness. Don't be elbowing your spouse. I, I saw you on that. So this is how it's normally done, right? I mean, if you've seen... Sermon illustrations, things like that, you see that, and we go, oh, yeah, these very generic, let's, let's nail this to the cross, selfishness, you know, lust, greed, let's nail them. That's not how it is. See, the, I hate these things because they're so generic, and it doesn't really hit home the way that it should because when you, you need to understand that your sins are very specific, And when the Bible says, talks about your sins were forgiven, it's not talking about like generic categories, all your greed, all your anger. That's not, that's not how it was. It's, it's more like this right here. So what I have here is a record 
of all of Frank's sins. He was a very bad little piece of garlic. <laughs> he had, as you can see, this is, how, this, this is the record that we're talking about. Do you remember when the Bible says that on judgment day we stood before God and that books were opened? This is what it's talking about. Frank lived a very short life, and this is, he did a lot in his time. But see, this is how it is. Go here. Okay, March 10th, 1975, 11.19 a.m., Frank told his wife he wanted a divorce and said she was worthless. Okay. February 4th, 1976, at 12.43, Frank was so angry he slapped his daughter and cursed her out. Okay, so this is how the record is. It's not, oh, little postcards of general categories. Here, here, here's what we have to understand. There's nothing that's been missed. Okay, not a single thing. There's no area, there's no black spot of ignorance in God's brain. Okay, he, he's never missed anything. He's never missed a single word you've ever spoken. He's never missed a single thought you've ever had. He's never missed a single pain you've ever experienced. Every detail, every bit of it has been kept for a record. And listen, without the gospel... Without the cross, you will answer for this. Every one of them will be gone through, and this will be the record that stands against you. Now, I was looking at mine today, and I found it. No, I'm just kidding. I have a book, too, and I'm just kidding. We all have, it's, it's thick, right? It's big, but here's, here's what the Bible tells us. This is going to get ugly. There's no pretty way to do this, all right? I'm going to do my best here, but who knows what's going to happen. You, it, but this is what the Bible says, that that record was nailed to the cross. So is this your life? Is this reality? Is this who you are, or you could say who you were? Yes. But when you came to Christ... If you've already come to Christ, and this is what we're celebrating today, your record, look, these aren't my words, we just read it. He said the record of your sin was nailed to the cross. That's why we're here celebrating. That's why we're here celebrating. I mean, no one, no one could pay. And look, some of you, your stack may be thin. Others of you, it would take seven or eight of these to stack them all together. I need a lot bigger nail to get it on the cross. But the point is, we're all responsible. And it wouldn't take but just, I, I know some people have a problem with this. It wouldn't take just that first line to be guilty before God. So whether your sin is small, whether your sin is great, we're all accountable and we all answer to God for it if you do not have a substitute, if you do not have a sacrifice. Here's the, 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 this is why the Bible's called the good news. is because it's literally explaining to people you're no longer 
you're no longer responsible to pay this debt. Now, if you've gone through the process that I just described this morning, you don't take that as an excuse and a means to go and sin and do whatever you want to do. You've died to all that. You've been transformed in here. You don't want to live like that. It's the furthest thing from you to want to sin or want to displease God. When you've, been, when you've gone through a death and a burial and a resurrection with God, you don't hear this message and go, oh, well, you're just telling me that since the record's up there, I could just keep sinning and adding to the list and it's all fine? Well, if that's the way you think, I, I question whether you've been through this process or not. But the, the answer is, yes, there's not a sin that is unforgiven in your life when you understand what the cross really was and how much the blood of Jesus really paid for. The whole reason that this happened is because man tried for thousands of years to be made right with God by living the law and couldn't do it. And God knew that was going to be that way from the beginning, so it's not like he changed course or changed plan. But man tried to live by the law to be made right with God for thousands of years and never could. And so God said, you know what I'm doing is I'm sending my son to live the law perfectly. He's going to live the life they should have lived. And as the perfect sacrifice, he's going to die the death they should have died. He, he's going to pay the price they should have paid. Everything that was due them through, through the penalty of sin, everything that was due them to be separated from God and be in eternal hell, all of that, he said, I'm going to put it on my son so that they don't have to bear it. I'm going to make the path to God as easy as possible. I can't do it any easier than that. I'm going to make it so easy that I'm going to do it for you, and all you have to do is accept that sacrifice and live for me. It doesn't get any easier than that. <laughs>